Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking about a pair of hilarious NBC comedies, Trial and Error and Superstore. First, we'll catch up with Don Lithgow, who did double duty this season with Trial and Error and The Crown. And then we'll chat with America Ferrara and Ben Feldman about Superstore. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's Executive Editor. And I'm TV critic Sonia Soraya. And it's our pleasure to welcome John Lithgow. How are you, Debbie? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. So you star in two very different shows this season. Yes. <laughs> so let's start with Trial and Error. It's a new comedy on NBC. Uh-huh. So what makes you choose a role? What made you sign on for this one? Well, you have less choice than you would imagine. <laughs> Even you. Oh, God, Yes. <laughs> When good things come along, you end up saying yes to them because they're rare. This was rare. In mm. fact, I think it's unique. It's very uh, unique. There's been never anything quite like this. So we'll, it'll be a, either a smash hit or a career ender. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a career ender for you. <laughs> How do you. Was it the roller skating in particular? <laughs> <laughs> oh, every element, every element about this show is off the wall. Uh, Why don't you describe the premise okay, of the show? All right. Let's start at the beginning. It's, it's a... Uh, it's a, a parody of a crime documentary series, put very simply, like uh, Making a Murderer, The Jinx. It, it takes all of those forms. It's shot in exactly the same way with the same deadpan gravity and <laughs> earnestness. It's very serious. <laughs> but it's completely ridiculous. Uh, that said, it's a 13-episode arc, which is just as compelling as an unfolding <laughs> suspense story, as a crime uh, trial and error, a, a, a sort of law and order crime series. And uh, curiously enough, the more seriously we take it, the funnier it is. Indeed. Uh, and it takes place in a small town in the Carolinas, uh, Nick D'Agosto plays a fish-out-of-water lawyer who goes down to defend a man who may or may not have murdered his wife, and that's me. And if that sounds like a far-fetched comedy premise, it is. In- indeed. And we have to explain the roller skating. Yes, I'm a poetry professor who has a peculiar uh, passion for what he calls roller-sizing. It's like... It's roller skate dancing, basically, but he can't stand even the word roller skating. It's the kind of thing he takes very seriously. Did I you, have to ask, did you roller skate before you took on this part? You know, I used to be able to roller skate. <laughs> I, I, I can still roller skate, but not well, uh, in a very creaky old man way. So they hired a couple of fantastic roller skate stuntmen. I shouldn't be telling this. Uh, you know, Your secret on, is safe on, with us. On the other hand... You know, when, when if people actually think I'm roller skating like that, they will expect it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, 
Well, why why roller skating? <laughs> was uh, that who just knows? it was built you in right from the start? You go ask the writers that. I mean, <laughs> all their choices are so bizarre. Well, that was what was funny to me because uh, I saw one of the. I think it's probably the second episode where you're trying to teach Nick DeGosto's yes, character yeah. how to roller skate, and I was like, he's got to be improving this from some deep. But maybe you weren't. I don't even know. <laughs> no, the, I worked very the ice, hard on the that iceberg scene. Yeah, and the, right. whatever these moves were. Yeah, they were wonderful. I can't remember them, but I, I, no. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I worked very hard on it. <laughs> I'm, I hate, I'm upset that you're laughing. <laughs> Does the role give you room to improv if you want to, or do you feel like you're kind of going with what the writers have? It, it's, it, the writing is really good. It's mm-hmm. very precise. I mean, they're writing to simulate a documentary. Right. I, and, you know, we're shooting it documentary style. There were two handheld uh, camera operators oh, covering the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, and it's supposed to look like a documentary in a documentary you just have one chance to get every little moment so we had to simulate that lightning in a bottle getting every moment even while we were basically shooting (laughs) it like a film right uh, and doing very silly things. Extremely (laughs) silly and doing them over and over and over and over and over again and yet it looks like the, every moment of it is caught by accident. Right. So it's very clever. Jeff Blitz has directed it, mm-hmm. directed the sort of template first two or three episodes. And then several other wonderful directors came on who came right out of The Office, Parks and mm-hmm. Rec, all those wonderful sort of handheld series. Were you looking for a mockumentary type of I thing? Wasn't you? This was the least looked for job I ever took. <laughs> I, so how did it come together? <laughs> you know, I was on my the last three weeks of my, my eight-month shooting schedule uh-huh. on The Crown in London. Eight months? And it was the hardest I'd worked on the epi- on, yeah. on all the episodes. It was the wonderful portrait painting episode. Mm-hmm. I was working 14 hours a day, coming home exhausted every night, and I get a call you know, with an eight- and nine-hour time delay from L.A. for my agent saying, well... This has come up. It's really good. <laughs> NBC is really hot on it. These guys want you desperately, but you have to decide in 24 hours. Oh, wow. So there I was at midnight, groggy, completely spent, <laughs> talking on the phone with these two nutball <laughs> comedy writers pitching this outrageous series to me when I'm very much in a Winston Churchill as an old, old man mindset. <laughs> right. And they persuaded me. They made me laugh. I'd never met them before. I did have some wonderful props from the uh, other comedy writers uh, who ended up on the writing staff, okay. who I'd worked with on Third Rock from the Sun. That was actually the first I'd heard of the show was from them saying, you'll hear from Jeff Astroff. He's a good guy. He's a great writer. So you're playing Thanks. such a larger-than-life character, mm-hmm. and every minute I'm like, how are they going to keep this going? Like, how is he going to keep mm-hmm. having another ridiculous thing about him that is, like, part of his identity? Is that hard to do, like, to keep adding more insanity well, to it? Well, it's hard for them. It's perfectly <laughs> easy for me. I just do whatever they send over. Uh, you know, it was – I remember we did the, t- the pilot for Third Rock from the Sun. And we were delighted. We thought it was hilarious. But I honestly thought, what in the world do we do now? <laughs> right. Well, that was six years later, we finally wrapped that one up. Right. After 138 episodes, one thing leads to another. And, you know, they, they had put a lot of thought into this. It's very interesting. 
the, the show creators are Jeff Astroff and Matt Miller. Mm-hmm. Jeff is a great comedy writer. Matt is a great procedural TV writer. Mm. So they, they balance each other. They balance each other wonderfully. Mm. Matt helped construct the unfolding suspense story, right. crime, right. the crime story. And it works. Mm-hmm. On those terms, it completely works, even though you're laughing at absolutely everything. <laughs> so people, you, kn- people you know what? Re- people really want to know who did it and, and who's guilty and who's innocent. So you know who did it, or I if do. he did it. I do. I extracted that from them. I said, you have to tell me, otherwise I'm not going to consider this. You need to know your character's motivations. Yeah, I said, oh, am I a murderer or aren't I? So I, they told me, but... They said, don't tell anybody else. So I was acting with a whole bunch of people who didn't know. So no one else on the cast No, knows. no. Same thing happened on Dexter, curiously <laughs> enough. Really? Yeah. I mean, everybody knew Trinity Killer was, the Trinity Killer was a killer. Mm-hmm. But they had no idea. You know, all those extraordinary surprises in that series. Right. I knew them and nobody else did. <laughs> Excellent. It's fun. How do, you, how do you get that special role? Exactly. <laughs> well, I wish everyone could see the gleeful look on your face right now. Right? Very, the nice thing is when they want you, they, they, they don't keep any secrets. Then you get the end to every mystery <laughs> yeah, <right>. novel. <laughs> was it fun for you to exercise the comedy muscles after coming off a dark drama? Yes, it was. It was. And these are wonderful people to work with. I mean, they are very funny, very crafty comic actors who they got the comedy. They knew that the comedy totally depended on deadpan seriousness. They knew the funny. And uh, it was very much a shared uh, a shared technique. Uh, and, and we had a ball. It was... I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to these other people. They're just wonderful. Well, I saw a little bit of the panel, but I was... I, the, the, my only like my takeaway from the first few episodes was that I did not think that Sherry Shepard was going to be able to make the she laughs at inappropriate times thing oh. constantly as funny as oh. it ended up like I was like this shouldn't be funny four times into me seeing it but every time I was like wow this is oh, hysterical just, just <laughs> you just look at her you just look at her and you start to laugh. Right. I, I, don't know, I don't know what her magic is. And she's having such a wonderful time. That's I mean, good. Everybody is. They, they feel like we all feel very lucky to be in it. Yeah. Do you find the comedy world changed since your third rock from the Sundays? Well, the main difference is it's a single camera instead of a multi-camera show. Which makes it much, much harder work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a single camera the entire thing is shot between 7 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. Wow. on a single night with an audience going crazy. You know, they whipped into a frenzy of responsiveness. Mm-hmm. So they make you really feel funny, and you really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and <laughs> apart from that, you work like 10 to 4 mm-hmm. for right. three days just rehearsing it, mm-hmm. spend a day of camera blocking. It's so easy <laughs> and, and so creative. This... This is as fun as it was. It is the drudgery of movie making. Right. Right. Many, many setups, many, many takes, and and courtroom scenes at that, which are famously tedious. Mm -hmm. Uh, I played a judge once in a great big courtroom movie, and I think at least a judge gets to sit up on the bench (laughs) where he has his crossword and his novel (laughs) and the novel he's writing. And snacks under the table. Snacks. (laughs) You know, it's fine. 
Do you like any of these, the Making a Murderer type shows as well? Are you enjoying the the homage to them? Uh, I'm enjoying the homage. In fact, I'm taking a kind of devilish pleasure in it because <laughs> I'm not that into them. Mm. I, I I can't help it. I, I, while we were doing Third Rock and feeling like we were the bee's knees, mm. those were six years in which reality TV kicked in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt the ground shake under my feet. I mm. thought scripted television is in real trouble. And sure enough, hmm. uh, it's it's to me, it's sort of swamped network TV. Uh, so I like getting back at them. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, it's, of course, they're very skillfully done. Right. I got I got into the jinx. I thought that was quite uh, quite compelling. But it certainly became a little mini craze. So you can see yeah, that there's and, like... And boy, did they tee us up to yeah. make fun of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> they offer you plenty of opportunity. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the crown. Yes, oh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to segue. I'm just so excited. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know how I segue. I know. Well, I mean, I was curious. You mentioned the Winston Churchill, uh, the, the portrait episode, and yeah. I after I watched that episode, I'm not British. I don't know the history of this. I looked it up, and I it was really burned. So I'm trying to see like whatever images they have of it. What has the reception been to that? Pay? That's such a famous incident in his life, and I think in the. Um, sort of exhibits so much of his attitude towards what seemed to be modernity. Um, yeah. What has the uh, response been like to that piece? And Oh, that episode. Everybody singles that episode mm. out mm. Uh, to me. Uh, I mean, it's certainly the the best Churchill episode mm. yes. of the 10. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. It was so beautifully written because the the great expanse and grandeur of the whole series are mm, irised into mm, this mm-hmm, conversation between mm. two men. Yes, it's lovely. About that was just so revealing of Churchill's yeah. character. Mm-hmm. There were many things. Uh, it, it's a testament to Peter Morgan's ingenuity. He, it's a deeply researched series. But he just looked at the history and he just waited until some little moment captured his imagination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he spun that into an entire episode ten times. Think of the the Great Fog episode. Mm, right, yeah. again, brilliant. Yeah. Or the episode where Margaret takes over and makes all those speeches mm-hmm, right. and makes a fool of herself. These, these little tiny moments or the Duke of Windsor watching the coronation. Right. That was such a great way to do that episode because brilliant. it wasn't expected. So yeah. oh. brilliant. And, and how it, much that's said about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all goes very deep into the character. There. Yeah. It speculates on the character of these people whose characters have been withheld from us. Right. You know, by the whole nature of royalty. Right. Uh, I just think he's in that particular area Peter Morgan is just a genius. Like, for example, in reading all about Churchill, he had a white-hot temper, Mm. a sort of uh, irrational temper. He could be very violent. What better way to finally expose it Mm. than an old man raging Mm. over an old over Mm -hmm. fueled by his own vanity Mm -hmm. and his only fear his own fear of growing old Mm -hmm. right yeah that was that's when you finally saw him rage right and it was leer like it Mm. was just so moving 
And the fact that he was screaming like that at a man who had become his good friend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's extremely poignant. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many ep- ep- moments like that all through the 10 episodes. I just think it's wonderful television. I also think one of the other things that we really saw him was in his relationship with his wife. Yeah. They could they, they could just have these interchanges. She was the one person who could really cut him down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Dame Harriet Walter, who was just a joy to act with. It was a very small role as written. It never expanded into a big role, and yet you saw the whole story. Right, absolutely. Just so in, much presence. In, just right. in the way they related to each other, mm-hmm. the way they, yeah. even the way they sat behind, around the fire. Mm. Absolutely. You just understood everything. That wonderful scene where the TV is on with the horse race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, He's teasing her about what a crush she has on the painter. Yes. That's such an old, old marriage. That's Absolutely. just how they related Absolutely. to each other. It's I wonderful. think about, too, during the wedding when she turns to him and says, obey, and he says, she insisted. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And there's, that spoke such volumes. Right. Yeah. That yeah. says everything we need to know about their relationship, his relationship, yeah. his relationship with the queen mm. yeah. to be. Yeah, it's... it's uh, and that it's wonderful that you perceived all that, and you know because you see a lot of TV, you know just how special it is. You know, and one of the things that's interesting about Churchill is he's not a royal, but these are he's dealing with the royal family all the time. I mean, one of my favorite moments in the series is when the queen has to basically smack him around. I mean, yeah. verbally, where she's like, "You have, you really have to obey me." And it's, I mean, sorry, obey is not the right word, uh, but I think it is obey. Actually, no, she is the queen. Me. Respect, respect me in a certain my way. Follow right. my authority. Right. And he, she was bawling him out for withholding right. essential truth from her. It, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and to compare that to. Uh, you know his own his, his own uh, standing on ceremony that he insists that he has to stand yeah. in front of her. It's interesting he like picks and chooses when he's going to be a good yeah. subject, and yeah. all of these people around him are like divinely ordained, but he's not. You know he's uh-huh. the prime minister. I thought that was a really interesting tension there. I don't know yeah. if that you felt well, that. Well, no, you were there was a it. lot of interesting. He. It's interesting that he was the cousin of the Duke of Mar- oh, right. Marlborough. Right. Yeah. And a duke is a major aristocrat, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the duke's cousin is not. <laughs> not so much. You know? And uh, he worried about money his whole yeah. career. Right. All of that, those volumes and volumes he wrote. Yeah. He was. That was very much fueled by his need to make money. Yeah, it's amazing to even think about that. Mm-hmm. Right. And there he is walking down the halls of Buckingham Palace, feeling superior <laughs> in, in many ways. Right? Yeah. Where? What it must have been like for him to have to then relate to this twenty-five-year-old girl, who, yeah. as we learned, was pretty uneducated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he really. But you know, he was an old Victorian. The empire was more important to him than anybody else. He really, it was, he knew how important it was to have a strong sovereign, a commanding sovereign. Mm. So he just took that on. I mean, he was enormously principled. He had the sense of the right way of doing things. It made him very dogmatic. And it led to him, his downfall. I mean, he had about 10 enormous downfalls in his <laughs> career. He just kept on pushing too hard and alienating people. We've spoken before about the fat suit you had to wear to take on the character. How important was that, the physicality, to find your way into playing Churchill? Very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that it, it, it was important to do it. It was difficult to achieve it. But once I had it, it was a tremendous uh, handle. Mm. 
it, it made things much much easier just to simply assume the character I would put on my fat suit and my and my plumpers and <laughs> my jowls and stuff cotton up my nose and I, I felt like a completely different person. But did you really have to stuff cotton up your nose? Yeah, that was my idea. Oh, wow. He had a very, very nasal voice, you know. And, oh, wow. And it really made, and, and a much more bulbous nose than I, and that's the only way to do it. Was it hard to breathe? Yes. <laughs> okay. But he also couldn't breathe. Oh, he, right. Okay. He had all these laryngeal blockages. Wow. If you... You know, my performance was really underplayed. <laughs> if, you, if you really listen to the Churchill audio oh, or wow. see his video, for one thing, he has this, this most peculiar uh, honk. Uh, he would just honk. And, of course, you can't do that. <laughs> no. Just, right. no one would believe it. it. <laughs> I, I, it's not even what it sounds like. It doesn't even sound like his voice. And uh. it uh, it comes out for no reason. Oh, wow. Uh, so, no, I, wow. I figured I had the liberty to, to do whatever I wanted, and I wouldn't be overdoing it. <laughs> yeah. What, what was it like to work with Claire Foy, who no. I feel like is... Heaven. Yeah. Heaven. And I would say that of just about everybody I acted with. Mm. They, were, they just gave so much. They were so smart, such expert actors. Mm. But Claire was very special. Uh, I don't know whether you've... Interviewed oh. her yet? Or? Uh, just from afar. <laughs> I've had the opportunity, but not going to gloat. She's just a joy. She's so uh, bright mm. and uh, o- unassuming. Open, o- open yes. Uh, yes. very modest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her life's about to change. Yeah, right? it's, yeah it's but she beginning. won't change. Yeah. Her life might change, but she won't. Yeah. Uh, she's, she was just heaven. That's great. That's wonderful. So it seems the two of you have really developed a rapport, a chemistry between the two of you. Great friendship. But I've never done a job where I've walked away with so many great friends. I mean, I'm constantly emailing every one of them back there. A good dozen people who are mm. just, you know, big parts of my life now. It's an amazing job. Is it hard for you to think about season two happening without Churchill? It's not hard. It makes me wistful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's going to be great. I, what I've heard is, you know, it, what what I said about Peter, it's going to go, it keeps going on. He finds this, I guess I can't tell you anything. <laughs> you can tell us. It'll stay between us. Off the record? <laughs> off the record. <laughs> I've heard that an entire episode is devoted to Charles as a as a boy oh, in wow. public school. Amazing. You know, and a very unhappy kid in uh, public uh, school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, among a bunch of other aristocrats. Right. But being a royal separates him from everybody. Of course. I mean, what a brilliant idea. Yeah, it's, it's like so Dick- Dickensian unhappiness. Mm-hmm. You know, Pe- can't wait. I, and I hear that and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, us too. Did uh, you want to finish? Or no, sure. Would, yeah. Um, no, I just had one more question, which I've totally lost my train of thought of. Um, was, did you know when you were making this that this was going to be something special? Was there a moment on set where you thought, this is, well, this is different? It was, I felt it from the first sentence out of my agent's mouth when he described it. I thought, yeah, this is going to be... Mm. Daldry had a lot to do with it. Peter Morgan, I'd seen the audience. Mm. No, actually, I saw it after I'd taken the role. Um, I thought it would be very fine, but a rather narrow, for a rather narrow audience. That was everybody's concern. 
but I thought it would be very fine. And you don't care about the narrowness of the audience if it's going to be that good. Who dreamed that it would be this popular? It's mm. wonderful. Yeah, it's really amazing the way it's taken off and people have really responded to it. Yeah, and in England, it's just like required viewing. I think it's really hit at what people think about the monarchy, like the the concerns we have and the feelings we have about the people in power. I mean, it yeah. really got to that, you know? But even if it wasn't about this monarchy that we know so well, the fact that it's about a family mm. that is simultaneously the most public and the most private family in right. the world, right. that just is automatically so fascinating. Yeah. The, the fact that... Elizabeth is so lonely mm-hmm. in that Buckingham mm-hmm. Palace. Mm-hmm. Just the image of her sitting alone on her bed. Mm-hmm. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely breaks your heart. Uh, because, you know, who does she talk to except her sister, her mother, <laughs> mm-hmm. her grandmother, mm-hmm. her dogs, occasionally her husband. It's just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And yet she knows it's her job. She's chipper. <laughs> it's just wonderful. It's just yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's beautifully done. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking it's with great, you. Great. Thank you so much. My favorite thing to talk about these days. <laughs> well, both of them. Both, both of them. Both of them. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you. So that was John Lithgow, who has proved he's the master of both comedy and drama. Next up, we talk to America Ferrara and Ben Feldman about how they create their chemistry for Superstore. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Variety's executive editor and the engineer on this podcast. I push the button. <laughs> and I'm TV critic Sonia Soraya. And it's my pleasure to welcome the stars of Superstore. We've got America Ferrara. And Ben Velman, sorry. Hi, that's fine. I forget all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you Thanks for, for having, having us. Congratulations on Superstore. Thanks. Thanks. Congratulations on your buzzy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We haven't decided if it actually means that it's popular or we have technical difficulties. It's one or the other. We're hoping for the good one. <laughs> let's go for the good one. Yeah. It's so a buzzword for unbuzzy. It feels like you're trying to say busy, but you busy. keep saying buzzy. Hmm. Congrats on your buzzy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so buzzy, mom, yeah. So buzzy. So let's start with the big question. The question that's on everyone's mind. You guys have been building towards it. They're real. <laughs> what was great is you were looking at me with an apology as you were doing that joke. Also, your eyes totally went there, and I because my eyes were like, "Wait, is the joke I thought of in my head is that really the one she's making?" I was making? talking about your teeth. I was oh, talking about okay. Ben Yo, Feldman's sure, right, teeth. Of course, yeah, that's uh, what. So you guys are like this thought. all the time, and this is this why is our like podcast all... is buzzy. So buzzy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Just come visit. You guys should come visit our set. It's, this is your dynamic. Yes. Uh, yes. This is a whole cast dynamic. Yes, just a lot of drinking <laughs> and a lot of making fun of. Ben. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and at first he thought it was funny, and now nope, we think it's not funny anymore. Might. That's kind of what we were talking about. Were you cast with that in mind? Were like uh, to constantly crucify, yes. uh, to be ganged up on by everybody I work, yeah. I work with. I hope, I hope not. <laughs> I think he just brought it with him. Yeah. He was, like, I invite the harassment. I think is how long did it take for this to build? Very short. Well, yeah. Ask my parents. Do you also bring up documentaries you've seen or NPR? There are all. <laughs> Let me answer that question. All the time. Things of that nature, not specifically documentaries. I mean, there have been some documentaries. Well, aren't you the one that like produced a documentary? Didn't you like make one? 
You mean my web series? Yeah, web series. Is this you my made a documentary. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm already letting you push something right now. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's move on. Everybody <laughs> is just as obnoxious as me. Just this, my certain brand of obnoxiousness, I think, is starting to bleed into Jonah or vice versa. Are you feeling sure. oppressed by this? Yeah, well, it's, it's, there's a lot of introspection. There's a lot of, I'm trying, trying to figure out who I am or if what I am is this person and if that's good or bad. Okay. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, really dark. <laughs> really serious. That just made us really uncomfortable. Could you laugh at the end? Let's nope, try no, it again. One, <laughs> one more time. So I'm going to try my question one more time. <laughs> oh, right, you were asking I something. I did actually try to ask an earnest question, sure, and then I got sure, mopped. Sure. This is what happens to me at work, right. too. So. <laughs> By the way, just hours of Superstore footage of unusable yeah. improv Oh, yeah, you directed recently. I'm sure it was just you, like, waiting for everyone you to shut up constantly. You just there, and you wait for everyone to, like, put their phones away and stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> wrap up your conversations. Yep. Anyway, you can ask wait. your question. I can't wait for your director's cut. Your director's cut is going to be fantastic. Oh, I oh, I'm, I'm excited. But anyway, I want to know the will they or won't they question. How long can you guys play that out? Um, hopefully, I don't know, like a decade, two <laughs> decades. Yeah. I, I see this going 10 seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, to answer your question, I... I don't know that what we're playing is a will they, won't they. I think that that's what the audience immediately sees and wants and projects onto the relationship. And granted, the pilot did lead mm-hmm. us in that direction. With, and audiences have been sort of trained to look for that anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. If there's any chemistry, there's a... There's know, no chemistry at all. Yeah, None, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, wow, this is these are the people we're supposed to root for. And and I do think that this is absolutely a relationship that, that we want people to root for, but... But I think the writers, Justin, our creator of the show, has always genuinely maintained this. He doesn't know what the fate of this relationship mm-hmm. is, and which is more fun as an actor to play, sure. you know, because then we get to, as we have this season, play not just with like a romantic thing that can get quite boring and overplayed. We get to be adversaries. We get to be on the same side. We get to be co-conspirators. We get, you know, we find ourselves in situations where, uh, where we get to just kind of explore multiple kinds of dynamics. And and yes, I think that when the audience watches, they're immediately looking for the romance or the lingering look or the which is also fun to play with, but but I don't think is the whole crux of the relationship. Mm. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though because the two episodes that we got sent for the February uh the ladies oh, lunch. Oh, you got Valentine's Day. Ladies too. lunch and yes. Valentine's yeah. Day. Um, and it's definitely not like season two finale of The Office or anything, but there's 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 quite a few moments. Is that when Pam and Jim got together, season two finale? Yes. Mm. Yeah, the, Good reference. The She's dropping yeah. in. Sorry, I know. Mm. <laughs> this is like the one thing I know about guys. I'm when very did, impressed. When did Jim and Pam kiss in The Office? Right. And Right, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> season two finale. Season yes. two finale. It's called Casino Night. Great oh, oh, wow. Now. Good to get the title, too. Wow. <laughs> you really know your TV. So, well, so much should hire as a TV critic. Oh, Jesus. Okay, well, in it's relevant because Justin worked on The Office. Yes. And I know that he cares about yeah. that kind of arc. And I mean, just which is just to say that, uh, I, you know, I, I had asked Justin about it at TCA last time. And I was like, tell me, you know, and he was like, I wanted it to be a genuine will they, won't they? Right. Like, really. Yeah. And I think that that's wonderful. It's fun to look yeah. for it as a viewer, I yeah. think. Yeah. And maybe it's fun for you guys to look for it in your dynamic as you're going with it. Do you have like an opinion on what you think should happen? 
Well, I mean, what I think one tremendously interesting thing that Justin did was was to throw such a massive obstacle in that relationship uh, being her marriage, mm-hmm. her actual mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that. Yeah, people skip over that all the time. By the way, interviews are like, so when are you guys gonna kiss? Well, that's she's married, so. Um, but, but, but I think that's a really interesting thing, and I think that adds so much to all the, the sort of complex and nuanced dynamics of this relationship. And right. I, frankly, I do think it's a lot more interesting to see the things that we're doing, especially this season. Like what we're doing, is it even like next episode? Like there, it's it's it, you think it's going to go in one way, and it's it's complete. It goes somewhere completely else, yeah. and sort of sitting in the background is the fa- is the fact that there's some sort of a, a, an attraction or a chemistry or whatever. But that's not the point. Well, and it's funny that everyone else in the store also doesn't know what to make of it. I right. think that that's like one of the interesting things with mm-hmm. uh, with ladies' lunch. With the char- your character is competing uh, uh, against his will for. Um, oh yeah. Oh, is that what is that Valentine's Day? No, that's no, no, ladies', ladies, ladies lunch. lunch. Yeah, because he's competing John against Baronholtz's his will. Because Marcus, yeah. Marcus, says, Marcus, that's it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I'll play you for Amy, and he's like, yeah. I don't yes. want to do this, but then like has to, and then and you end up sort of making this pronouncement that you're like, no one gets Amy that way. Right. Everyone's like, what does that mean? And right. I I thought it was funny that like literally no. No one seems to know what's right. happening with yeah. your characters either, the way you're yeah. playing it, which I think is fun. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I think that, I guess I'll speak for myself. As an actor, I feel like romance and chemistry is fun to play uh, kind of as, as a layer, as an element, but I have much more fun as Amy playing with Jonah on all the other levels mm-hmm. as well, Agreed. you know, the the irritation at him the <laughs> the um the you know sometimes just like the amusement of him and the mm-hmm. pure joy of him and you know sometimes they do have a lot of fun together um and to me that just as an actor is is so much more fun than just you know if we got to the romance and then it, what these yeah. two people are going to get together and then what you know <laughs> right. then what's Definitely. the joy well then that's got to be more interesting i mean it's more interesting to play th- i've been on Things where like my one note is oh, I love her she's so beautiful <laughs> like and, and it's so bo- it's got to be boring to watch and right. it's it's boring to play so and yeah, it doesn't agreed. give you anywhere to go no right yeah. yeah right and this show if anything it's given you an opportunity to explore all different kinds of things I mean it's a workplace comedy unlike any other workplace comedy on television thanks. That's absolutely intended as a compliment. Great. Well, and one of the things I appreciate about it is because it is kind of a dead end job. I think that as what both are you of your characters, <laughs> I know what I meant, but uh, <laughs> both of your characters as they're looking for like changing their lives, like self improvement, it would probably lead away from the superstore from from Cloud Nine. And I thought that was interesting, uh, given both your characters' dynamic and just also like in terms of your the whole ensemble. Like in some ways, you kind of want people to get out of that place, but you don't want them to leave the show. Right. And I think that's another really interesting uh, dynamic between Amy and Jonah is they really are from very different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And the episode that aired last week uh, called uh, Rebranding, mm. it was a reminder that like Jonah is, we don't know that much about Jonah, but we know that he was in business school. He sort of made a choice to leave business school and rethink his life and he sort of ended up here. That's as much as we know. So the assumption is like we have very different options in life and mm-hmm. choices in life. Mm-hmm. And, and bringing... And playing that in this care, in this relationship is so interesting to me because mm-hmm. as much as they like each other, that reality of like your life is just entirely different. When what was it your comes speech to, to me? Like you're visiting an island, you know? That yeah, it's thing? like yeah, it's the difference between like uh, you know 
we live here online. on this island like, we live, and you're we're stranded visiting. on this island and you're like on a vacation mm. and your boat's waiting for you so like mm. he's got a choice mm-hmm. he's there by choice and mm-hmm. and everyone else is there because that's their job mm-hmm. and that's that's their life and so i i also think that that class dynamic is mm-hmm. is really key to what the show is sort of always doing one of the things that's been interesting to me about the show started it started last year with the union drive or the the strike mm-hmm. and then you guys uh, had a couple of interesting I mean, your producer as well you had a couple of interesting decisions in terms of depicting politically charged topics in really ways that I think worked really well for the show, like you know, the voting, uh, like whether or not people actually vote and how they vote and whether or not the ballot boxes have been contaminated by Dina or um, the uh, Mateo. Mateo. <laughs> Mateo is undocumented immigrant, which again was, I thought, a really like interesting way of taking it. Yeah. I was sort of curious, you know, we're in a different political climate now. If you guys have talked a lot, uh, talked at all about moving forward, it seems to be kind of fundamental to the DNA of the show to have a little bit of commentary in there. But I don't know if things have changed since the election or if you have anything you can tell us about what's to come. You know, I think that is, it is part of the DNA of the show. And it's because Justin, you know, is just so smart and intelligent and, and just, I think, naturally is injecting as much real world conversation Mm -hmm. into the writing because that's what's fun and interesting. I think what's exciting to me about the show is that it leaves room for many people's many people's voices and many people's opinions. And mm-hmm. uh, it reminds me um, of of the the Norman Lear shows where, mm, you know, much. you didn't, there was room for more than one opinion at the table. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of mine explained the show to me this way, and I just thought it was the biggest compliment. She's like, it's the world I want to live in, where, like, people are from, people don't agree with each other, but they can live with each other and protect each other. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that, you know, Amy and Jonah and Garrett and Dina and and Glenn. I mean, they couldn't be from more different kinds of backgrounds, and they very very rarely agree on anything. Mm-hmm. But but they can listen to one another and agree to disagree and treat each other with kindness and respect. And at the end of the day, be civil. You mm-hmm. know, and and it's not always you're right and I'm wrong, or you know, even finding common ground. It's just about being with each other. Right. And right. and I think that you know that's what the show has always been. And I think that's what makes the show special and I think that's what the show will continue to be and in terms of you know how the political climate changes that I think it just makes it all the more kind of necessary Mm. and urgent Mm. so how closely do you work with Justin in shaping the course of the story and where you want your characters to go me Yes. Well, yeah. Why don't you take that well, one? For those listening, America looked at me. At those, I was actually asking her. Me. I'm actually interested. Like, no, I mean, I've had, I, I have, I mean, I, I can't, I can only speak for me because I, I think America has a uh, has some ins in the room. But I talked to Justin. I mean, I talked to Justin a lot at the very beginning when when I, I was going to maybe be on the show um, about where Jonah was going and where the show was going to go and is this a true ensemble and what kind of a relationship is this? I don't want to get burned and be on one of those like cheesy romance shows and it's like I promise you it's not going to be that um, and then we kind of check in every once in a while throughout the season um, but it's not just Justin there's an open dialogue with all of the writers there's always whoever's whoever's episode is that week is there covering on the set all the time and they're they're tremendously open to hearing our ideas and thoughts and, and edits or suggestions I think so it's it's a really really warm welcoming place it's not I've, I've been on a set where it's intimidating and you don't want to mess with the writers before and that's not this show yeah I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm in constant conversation with Justin and, and with all the writers about, you know, what what's exciting to me, what I really respond to, um, you know, fun new ideas, but also, 
you know, oh, you know, there's something interesting in this little thread. What if we pull through further, you know, with, with that idea? And, um, you know, but at the same time, we're on set working and they're on set writing. And I mean, they're in the writer's room writing and they're, um, you know, TV is a fast and furious, especially broadcast television. Mm-hmm. So fast. Fa- I mean, we, we were, pace. we went to, we had a karaoke uh, party recently, full cast and crew, and I was thrown on stage and forced uh, against my will into a uh, karaoke performance uh, with America, and we sang Suddenly Seymour. Um, <laughs> and then in the next episode. And then, yeah, like seconds the- later, <laughs> it was basically written into the episode. Not Shocking. Yeah. So it happens fast. Yeah. So, so a question I have for you guys. I don't know if this happens a lot as a cool LA people, but have you been into a Walmart lately? Do people recognize you in that scene? Is it, is it weirder now going into a mega store like that? My sister, I have a sister who lives in uh, Texas, and whenever I visit her, we visit big box stores multiple times, <laughs> all the time. Because that's what there is, right? Yeah, that's what you do. We go yeah. for everything. We yeah. go to a big box store. Um, and, you know, my experience of going to a big box store now is that I always have my phone out in case I see anything, like, awesome and fun. I'm just taking pictures and texting them to Justin and saying, here are, you know, new interstitial ideas. Um, I, I remember it was this past Halloween. We were in, in the big box store, and um, and there was a girl. The, the dad was, like, buying a pillow, and the girl was lying in the cart just, like, asleep. <laughs> and I, like, took a picture and sent it to Justin. And he's like, it's... It is an interstitial. So I love going into big box stores because I feel like I'm just always there like a spy, like trying to steal material for the show. But it's also, it's, it's the shows. What's interesting is what stores you can walk into or uh, yeah, stores, any sort of retail. And, and people are like, this show is about your show's about us. Mm, You know, like I assumed walking into a Kmart or a Walmart or a target or something would people would be like, Oh yeah, we, we, we relate. But I'll walk into a whole food or like a fancy like purse store with my wife or something and they'll be like you don't understand that's our life like that's everything to us so it really speaks to a lot of people I think anybody in the business of dealing with customers um, retail uh, you know commercial whatever it's it's all they all kind of hear us did you guys have experience did you guys ever have to do uh, retail work customer service work at I was ne- in time. Yeah, I never did retail, but I did waitress. Oh, okay. And I was very yeah. bad. Yeah. I was really? very I feel like bad. You'd be a good waitress. waitress. I was a very bad It's waitress. the hardest job I I loved to it. interject as an ex. Oh, you would I genuinely really? I, I, I waited tables. I went to theater school mm-hmm. in college and I waited tables because I assumed I'd just be doing that for decades anyway, and so it was like more important than my acting major. And I loved it. I thought it was, you know, you get to I get to, to like have the stage. I have the conk <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> you know, reciting the specials. That was yeah. your- no, but you know, I'd find creative Amy's ways face is a sight very charming again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, we need an image of this. <laughs> I worked at a Baskin-Robbins. I got fired from Baskin-Robbins. So it was the closest I ever... Why'd you get fired? Because I was a 14-year-old working at Baskin-Robbins. Like, I gave away all of the ice cream to all of my friends. Buckets and buckets of ice cream. And there were cameras. And what's funny is Dave Bernad, one of our producers, is friends with the guy who owned that, uh, that store that fired me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did he remember you? Uh, he says he does, but, you know, okay. I don't know. There probably were a lot of 14-year-olds. I'm sure kids, he fired, right? like, one kid a week. <laughs> <Yeah. Right. laughs> one of the things that's so amazing about Stupid Store is it's that rarest of comedies that's actually grown its audience. I think, feel, feel like people are finding it. Why do you think that buzz is growing? Well, I think, first of all, I mean, there's so much out there 
these days it takes people a while to find something. I know for myself, my goodness, there are, there's so much on my to watch list that I am saving for a rainy day. I'm still I'm trying to catch up to 1998. Like I'm on <laughs> yeah. Netflix. Like I'm like, have you heard of this show, Freaks and Geeks? It's amazing. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Like Will and Grace is coming back to NBC now, and it was yeah, like that Will and Grace. Yeah. It's like uh, someone had a really great idea the other day on set. We should just put like a, a ban on making any new television until everybody catches up. I, like, love, I endorse that. Everybody has to catch up and then we can start making that television again. There's just so much out there that right. it's, you know, you really just have to do your work and, and hope that, you know, people find it and that the and the word spreads and, and I think it's word of mouth, you know, and I think that unfortunately there's a sort of stigma around broadcast television as not being as edgy or as interesting as cable television because, you know, we have to be more clean or whatever it is or appeal to a broader audience. But, um, you know, I think there's a real opportunity in in broadcast television to bring a bigger audience and to have a conversation with people that might not otherwise be coming to that conversation. And uh, so that's, anyway, that's my soapbox. But but I do think that people are coming to the show through word of mouth and just... It's also a younger audience, and they, they tend to be more vocal... Uh, you know, on the on the social medias, social medias, yeah, on the social medias, the internet, on the internet, on all of the internets, each mm-hmm. one of them. They're they're. I mean, I mean, they're a louder. That the, we have a young. There's when I go to an airport, I talk to a lot of moms who must introduce me to their daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, for so many reasons, <laughs> I don't even think they know you're like an actor. They're like, look at that. Oh, I, I should mention, I run boy. a daycare center at LAX, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, the, and they're they're in touch with you. They're finding you. Yeah. There's some. There's there's a young. There's the. Yeah, we're connecting with younger people, and I think they're they're screaming about it, and I think they're getting the attention of other people as well. Well, congratulations again on the show. It's thank fantastic, you. and we're certainly watching. So, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank to you, you so much. Guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next week with another great episode. We'll be talking about great news with executive producers Tina Fey and Tracy Wickfield and star Nicole Ritchie. See you next week. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.